Just reading uh, from uh, 1 Corinthians here, and again, just uh, my thoughts over the past uh, couple weeks, just being on Ian and his family and, and the hope, as well as their desperation and just the, the pain and the grief that they're in right now. And that's why I'm always so thankful for faith, because it's not, we have faith because everything's wonderful. We have faith when things are great. And, our, and we especially lean into our faith when things get, get difficult and, and they'll let that grace just continues to work through us and the commun- our community and just healing us and help us to, to resolve some of our pain and uh, our grief and, and maybe even anger as well there. <clears throat> and so this is just from um, 1 Corinthians 13, the, the, the infamous, I shouldn't say infamous, the famous love passage here. And, it, and I love the last, last part here about love never ends. Uh, kind of like Kathleen's prayer, just that unconditional love that just continues to pour out to us and just saying yes to that in that way of life. And then later on here, if I can find it, starting with verse 9, for we know only in part, and just think about the humility <laughs> that would take to, to acknowledge, we only know in part. We only know in part. And we prophesize only in part. But when the complete comes, the partial will come to an end. And I wanted to focus today on just that we do not know. We like to think, maybe I should say, I like to think that I might know everything and no answers, and, uh, <clears throat> but we don't know. And just having that faith, and having the faith and trusting that that love does persevere and it never ends. And so as we take some time just to pray and to reflect on these words uh, just silently, what are the gifts of not knowing? What are the gifts of not knowing? So let's take a few moments just to silently pray and reflect on that. Let us pray. Any other thoughts? All wonderful thoughts. Yeah. So thank you there. Well, uh, I call this meditation a we just, we just don't know. Uh, for we know only in part, and we prophesize only in part. But when the complete comes, the partial will come to an end. And this is from 1 Corinthians here. And every morning uh, when I go on a walk, uh, I lift my eyes to the hills. And I gaze at the La Plata Mountains uh, to the east. I'm just always kind of drawn to them and that silent beauty that they contain. And the snow-covered basins and the rock spirals just saturate my heart, very much like warm honey. And the towering peaks call us out out of the comfort of our homes and into the wild. And we often just forget, even though so many people go up there and hike, It's a wild place. It's a wild place. And when I look up there in the mornings, uh, I remember 4th of July, and we just celebrated the 4th last week. I remember 4th of July pilgrimages with our our children, Andy and Roe, when they were young. And our neighbor Lois, she would join us from time to time with her young sons. And we would hike through the pine forest, and we'd hop on rocks crossing the streams. And we would sit on fallen trees to catch our breath before we made our final push to the summit of Shark's Tooth Pass. 
And one year in particular, I always remember with great fondness, uh, Jennifer and Lois's son, uh, Daniel. They were standing on a rock shelf just beneath the, the top of Shark's Tooth Pass in the middle of, most of you probably know this, high alpine meadow. And it's just the most beautiful place to uh, see the columbines when they're blooming. It'll be a couple weeks from now, probably. And, and they were standing on this shelf, though, looking out over the Mancus Valley. And the purple and white columbines were in full bloom. And it's just a, a never-ending quilt of hope. And Daniel, who was always so theatrical, he lifted his arms like this <laughs> on this shelf, looking over the Mancus Valley. He lifted his arms to the heavens. <clears throat> And he broke out in a full-throttled song at the top of his voice. And he was singing as loud as he could, the hills are alive with the sound of music, with songs they have sung. And what's that call that he has in his voice? Vibrato. Yeah, oh yeah, it was just going. He's like, he was like a fourth grade Pavarotti. Um, <laughs> And he's just singing with everything he has, with heart and soul. And I thought, what 15-year-old kid sings a song from the sound of music while climbing a mountain? <laughs> and Jennifer, she was there right next to him, and she raised up her hands, and she said, Daniel, stop. Stop. Stop, Daniel. And he was all perplexed and hurt, and he goes, well, why? And she goes, because I want to sing with you. <laughs> so they worked it all out together there on this rock, and the two of them did their very best Julie Andrews and Christopher Plummer impersonations while singing. The hills are alive with the sound of music, with songs they have sung for a thousand years. And I haven't really thought about that line till this week that those mountains have been singing these songs for thousands of years. And what songs do the mountains hold? And what songs do they sing? Songs of joy and also songs of sadness and songs of great hope and songs of despair and songs of forgiveness and songs of love. And over the past two weeks, just thinking about that music, many of my thoughts have centered on Ian, a 28-year-old vibrant young man in the prime of his life who disappeared into the La Plata's on June 24th after summiting Hesperus Mountain. And it's been especially uh, difficult. We're just thinking about that pain and that grief because our 25-year-old son, Roe, has been up and down with his friends and on his own, up and down Hesperus Mountain, more times than I can count. And that search for Ian could just as easily be a search for Roe. And so the rescue effort hits close to home uh, for me and for Jennifer and probably for many of us. And a couple of friends, they, they called Roe a little over a week ago uh, to participate in the search. And I was not invited, I don't know why. <laughs> but I tagged along anyway as a parent. And we walked for four hours through this dense forest. And just our legs were getting beat up and the darkness came down and we had on our headlamps. 
looking for Ian, but we didn't find any signs. And innumerable volunteers have lovingly searched the peaks and the valleys and the streams and the meadows for countless hours, but Ian has not been found. And one late afternoon after we searched, I went up there, it was on a Saturday, and I parked my car above the, the search and rescue base camp, and I walked up the West Mancus Trail towards Hesperus Mountain. It was above the, the search grid there. I just kind of wanted to be on my own. And the trail was empty, except for the birds singing their evening songs. And I didn't really know what to pray. So I prayed for peace and for strength for everybody involved in the search. And on my way back into town, I stopped at the base camp to see if there were any uh, new developments. And I talked to Ed, our, our high school principal here in town, and he's a family friend. And he was at the command tent where the search and rescue team, that they keep track of the areas that they've searched and any signs that they discovered and they have it all charted out. And this was last Saturday evening. And I said, have you found any new signs or any new evidence? And Ed said, no. He said, but we're still, we're still looking. And I said, is there anything we can do? And just that hopelessness. Is there anything we can do? Can we bring <clears throat> some food or maybe a meal or some supplies? And Ed said, no, I think, I think we're in pretty good shape. He goes, but I'll let you know. And he took my, my number. And later on that night is when he called late on Saturday night and he said we would really love to have a meal on Monday. And that's when we made the cookies and we made a bunch of tacos and took the meal up to, to the family and the rescue team there and the, and the search team. <clears throat> and as I was talking to Ed, I had in a, my eyes were just focused on him. And I didn't even notice, but I heard a, a very small, light voice from a woman close in age to me sitting in a camp chair to my left. And this slight voice barely whispered, I'm Ian's mom. I'm Ian's mom. And I couldn't hear her. And I said, what? And she said, I am Ian's mother. And my heart just broke. I think all of us thinking that we could be there as well. And I said, I'm so sorry. I said, I am so sorry. And there was just more I wanted to do, but I, I didn't know what to do or to say. And I looked ahead to the setting sun. And then I looked at Ian's mom again. And I was just thinking, as parents, Jennifer and I, and, and any parent, we could be sitting in her chair. We could be sitting in that same chair. And my heart just broke for her and her husband and her family and Ian's friends. And I just said, may I give you a hug? May I give you a hug? And she looked at me with such sad eyes. And she slowly stood up. And she wrapped her arms around me as I wrapped my arms around her. And we held each other for a very long time. And as we let each other go, Ian's mother said, <clears throat> we just don't know. We just don't know. And we do not know. 
And Father Richard Rohr writes about the anonymous author from the cloud of unknowing. I think it was written in the 14th century. And the author is always saying, we have to balance our knowing with a willingness not to know. We have to balance our knowing with a willingness not to know. Because we won't always know why things happen. We don't know how life will unfold. And we might have more questions than answers. But Rohr says we have to enter into the cloud of forgetting. To forget all of our certitudes and all of our labels and all of our explanations. And then we can live with humility because we don't know. We simply do not know. And we have less judgment and more empathy and more compassion. And we can live with a hope, a hope not that everything will turn out the way we want it to, but we can live with the hope of faith that divine love prevails through our troubles and our grief. A hope that grace will heal our souls over time. And we do not know what happened to Ian. And we may never know. We may never know. But we can stand in that cloud of unknowing with grace and love. And we can stand with his parents and his family and his friends. And we can trust that the hills are alive with the sound of music, and that all of us will sing once more. Amen. Pastures, I wanna dance on higher hills. I 
Gonna drink from sweeter waters In the misty morning chill And my soul is getting restless For the place where I belong Can't wait to join the angels and sing Wanna run on greener pastures Wanna dance on higher hills Wanna drink from sweeter waters In the misty morning chills And my soul is getting restless For the place where I belong Can't wait to join the angels and sing I can't wait to join the angels and sing I can't wait to join the angels and sing My heaven song In times of trouble, holy Jesus comes to me, speaking words of wisdom, let it be. And in my hour of darkness, he is standing right in front of me, speaking words of wisdom, let it be. Let it be. 
the sound of music, holy Jesus comes to me, speaking words of wisdom, let it be.